0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you, breaking down the latest in Cardinals baseball on Thursday, July 7th, in the early morning hours following, oh boy. I mean, we've got a lot to get into, but uh, the short story is following another loss for the St. Louis Cardinals. The hits just keep on coming for this team as things have gotten bleak since the last time we spoke prior to the holiday weekend. As of today, the Cardinals dropped their third in a row to the Braves and their fourth in a row overall. The story of Wednesday's game was not poor starting pitching. As Miles Michaelis put together another quality start, he's had quite a few of those this season. His start previous to Wednesday was not technically a quality start. He went five-plus innings. I think it was five and a third. Gave up two runs his last time through the rotation. And on Wednesday, he did get through the six-inning threshold, six innings, three runs. Gave up a couple of home runs. Not a hallmark start for Miles Michaelis. But again, he's been so darn good that even over his last couple of outings when he hasn't been quite to that elite level, you're still looking at outings that are giving the team a chance to win a game. But the problem... I mean, the problems right now for the Cardinals, There's it's really plural as you consider the doldrums of this offense that hasn't scored in, what, 17 innings at this point. They get shut out for nine innings on Wednesday. Going back to Tuesday's game in Atlanta against the Braves, Cardinals offense was pretty quiet again throughout the majority of that game. They scored one run in the 7-1 shellacking. That came in the first inning. So, over the final eight, no runs. And then, over the entirety of Wednesday's game, which was uh, a national broadcast embarrassment, no runs. That's 17 innings then in a row where the Cardinals have failed to score. And that's not even the biggest problem for this team right now. That's how rough things have gotten for St. Louis. And so, we've got quite a bit to recap on today's episode. I thought maybe I'd wait. Till the Cardinals got a victory to talk about. Then we would jump back on B-Shape Daily because who wants to listen to discussions on a bunch of losses? But, you know, that's where the Cardinals are right now. And so I figured eventually I needed to go ahead and get back with the people and react in real time to what we're seeing, which is some serious misery when it comes to the Cardinals. Let's talk about the rotation. Let's talk about the starting pitching, because that is the biggest issue with the team. I don't like the direction the offense is heading. I don't like what's happening right now. You're seeing certain guys slumping. Guys like Tommy Edmond, who are really carrying it earlier in the year, have not been able to get going. That's prompted Ollie Marmel over the last few games to tinker with the lineup here and there. He dropped him down for one game to the seven-hole, trying to get things going. They're saying they're not seeing him taking the kinds of swings that they want to see. He's not driving the ball to all fields like he had been previously. And so there are issues there with the offense. It's not just Tommy Edmond. I mean, when you have an offense that goes 17 straight innings without scoring, problems go beyond just one guy. That should be obvious. But, man, the starting pitching is where you got to be the most concerned. Let's take you back to the, the previous weekend, the holiday weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed their 4th of July weekend. I know I did, in part because I didn't watch a ton of Cardinals baseball, but they just haven't really given people a lot of reasons to celebrate. Not a lot of reasons for fireworks from this baseball team over the past week or so. But I think the big concern for the Cardinals on the front of the starting rotation began last Saturday because they, and that's a game they won, by the way, but that's where the cracks really began to show. Because on Friday, July 1st, that was the last Michaelis start where the Cardinals lost 5-3. to three. But Michaelis was pretty good. I mentioned five and a third, two runs. And that was a game where the offense didn't give you enough to get the win. Okay, so be it. Saturday's a game the Cardinals won seven to six, pardon me. But you got the first example of what life looks like once again in a post-Jack Flaherty world where Jack Flaherty is back on the injured list and that turn through the rotation comes up again. And you see how the Cardinals are planning to fill it. Well, the first answer that they had in trying to solve that riddle was Matthew Libertor, which I thought was a sensible way to go about it. Your top prospect, 22 years old, it might be time to see what he can give you before you have to begin exploring external options ahead of the trade deadline. But Libertor was bad, real bad. Two and two-thirds, didn't even get through three innings, five earned runs, seven hits. He had the bullpen pitched nicely for you the remainder of that game allowing you to win it Thompson Jordan Hicks returned wasn't perfect for Hicks but an inning and two-thirds of scoreless baseball you'll take gives up a couple of hits Pecky Naughton the only reliever to give up an earned run but Junior Fernandez and Ryan Helsley finished out the game Cardinals thankfully in retrospect especially got that win on Saturday but that was where you started to look at the starting rotation and go oh boy what I mean if Matthew Libertor can't do it. What do they do about that number five spot? And then, unfortunately, those questions got louder and continued. And, I mean, the rotation issues have been going on for a little while now. But on Sunday, when Wainwright goes five and two-thirds, gives up four, and the Cardinals don't score, you lose that game, you go, well, it's not what you want to see, but it's Adam Wainwright, so that's fine because you know he is going to be a reliable part of your rotation You're not panicking about a rough Wainwright start, but it sure didn't come at a great time, did it? Because then you get into the rest of the group that you really do have major, significant concerns about right now, and Dakota Hudson is firmly in that camp. For as much as I've talked about Dakota Hudson and have been generally and discussing him, he's letting me down right now. He's making me look like a fool with the way he's continuing to pitch for the Cardinals because I, I recently talked about, all right, let's leave Dakota alone, I even said invoking the the old video about Britney Spears. Leave Dakota alone. Well, you can't anymore. It, it's it's not a fair ask of Cardinals fans any longer to ask him to oh, leave him alone. He's going to do his thing and he's going to bring it back. I don't know what you're going to get about Dakota Hudson. Right now, he's starting to remind me more of John Gant from last year when eventually the Cardinals took him out of the rotation and subsequently traded him away without great concern for what they were ultimately getting back. That was part of the J-Hap deal. John Gant now is pitching overseas. He, he didn't make it in Major League Baseball. Decided to take a contract over there. All right, I'm not saying that's Dakota Hudson's future, but you certainly have to look at the present and ask some pretty tough questions because this is a guy who, at about a month ago, June 7th, pitched seven innings of one-run baseball down in Tampa to lower his ERA for the season to 276 That was top-of-the-rotation type of output. We knew it wasn't always consistent from Hudson, but we were seeing the good side of him of what can happen. When he limits walks to maybe one per start, as he had done in early June, and he's able to pitch to contact, and that contact isn't consistently hard contact, and so you get a little bit of good fortune playing in front of a good defense, and Dakota Hudson was rolling at the beginning of June. Now we take a look at his last... Five outings that he's had since then, and it is not a pretty picture that you find. Only one of those games, he's gone deeper than five innings. And in two of the five, he didn't even get through five innings. Got cut short before getting through the fifth. And the numbers are bad. 7.82 ERA over his previous five starts. And you might look at the fielding independent pitching, the FIP, and say, well, he's pitched into bad luck whereas previously his ERA was much lower than his FIP. That's been the inverse over the last five starts, where the FIP, which is sort of like an ERA independent of your fielders, it's like what you deserve on your own merit based on walks, strikeouts. It's a true outcomes indicator that tries to take defense out of the equation. Typically, I'd say that's not a good indicator for a guy like Dakota Hudson because he does pitch in front of a very adept defense that's going to help him earn more outs than just the strikeouts alone would provide. But the FIP of 5.09 is still not very good over his last five starts. But you could say he's pitched into actually some bad luck relative to his FIP because the ERA is near 8 at 7.82. But you could also look at the data a little deeper and say, wow, he's giving up a lot of hard contact. And hard contact sometimes does find a glove. It does so more often when you've got a good defense behind you. But at the same time, you can't expect it always to do so. If you're giving up consistently hard contact, you're not doing your job as a pitcher. You don't always have to miss bats, but you need to induce soft contact to make the lives of your defenders a little easier. And Hudson has done the opposite of that, and it's the reason that he's seen his ERA go from 2.76 at the conclusion of his start on June 7th. Now a month later, it's at 4.29 for the season. That's about a run and a half that has increased in the wrong direction for Dakota Hudson. Hasn't been efficient. You look at the walk numbers. I'll read them off for you over those five outings. Two walks, five walks, three walks, one walk, and then another outing on the 4th of July of three bases on balls. So you cannot live that way. He's among the league leaders in walks allowed. It's not viable. You cannot continue to do it if you're Dakota Hudson. And I understand where he's coming from, but he's in a bad spot. Because when he's not walking, guys, He's delivering pitches that are being hit for hard contact. And so it probably makes you a little gun shy and turns you into a guy that nibbles around the edges. And then you get yourself into even more dire situations and the cycle just continues upon itself. It's not good news. It's not where you want to be if you're Dakota Hudson. So that's a spot in the rotation that previously I said, listen, leave it alone. I know it's not always perfect, but Dakota Hudson is going to come around. He's going to be okay. As of now, I cannot confidently say that any longer. And if you've been screaming at your, your audio, screaming at your radio, however you listen to B-Shape Daily, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, if you've been screaming at your device saying, I told you so, I told you Dakota Hudson was no good, then Mia culpa, I suppose, I was off and you were right. I still think Hudson can turn it around, but I also don't know how long the Cardinals can afford to wait in this season. They're lucky that right now the Milwaukee Brewers are losing to the Cubs. That's happened the last couple of nights and so they drop two out of three to Chicago kind of like the Cardinals were unable to take care of the Cubs a couple weeks ago. So the Cardinals are still only 3.0 games back in the NL Central as of this recording at 1244 a.m. on the 7th of July. But the Brewers get the Pirates now coming up over the long weekend they'll take a day off let me make sure I have this right yeah they'll take a day off on Thursday and then they'll play the Pirates over the weekend before heading to Minnesota to face the Twins so not super duper difficult upcoming schedule for the next week or so for the Milwaukee Brewers meanwhile the Cardinals I mean it really hasn't mattered who they've played but the Braves are a tough team the Braves I mean they won the World Series last year they bring a good team back and the Cardinals they struggled with Philadelphia over the weekend, and now they're struggling with the Braves. And then guess who they welcome back into Bush over the, this upcoming weekend? It is, again, the Phillies. So, And that's going to be a little bit tricky given just the sheer number of games in a row that they've played without being able to get consistent starting pitching if you're the Cardinals. Saturday was rough with Libertor. Sunday, Wayno wasn't himself. Monday, Hudson comes up empty. And then you have Andre Pallante come up empty on Tuesday, which is a head-scratcher, the way he had been pitching. And again, I'm not trying to rip Andre Pallante to shreds in the same way that I wasn't looking to bash Adam Wainwright for his five-and-two-thirds and and four runs allowed because you just expect them, especially in Wainwright's case, to be better. Pallante had been better, and this is really his first clunker. But three-and-two-thirds, ten hits, seven earned runs. If you give up seven earned runs and you don't get through the fourth, that is rough. Now, he didn't walk anybody, and he still struck out five, so pretty good strikeout numbers. And the fact that he was at least in the strike zone tells me maybe just some bad luck for Pelante to give up that many hits. It's not like he was giving away free passes to hurt himself, but it's just a bad day to not get through four, given the, the struggles the Cardinals have gone through. And I thought the news from earlier Wednesday was so fascinating when reporters that were in Atlanta were talking about Packy Naughton and the fact that he went back out, to pitch an additional inning, he ends up going two and a third. And typically, when you see a guy like that who's been on the Memphis shuttle all year, going back and forth, when you see a guy like that pitch more than two innings in a game, you figure, especially right now with the way the bullpen has got to be hurting for innings, you figure that guy is heading right back to Memphis the next day. But evidently, Ollie Marble told him before he went out for the final inning of work, that if he covered the inning against difficult hitters like Ronald Acuna, Dansby Swanson, who do very well against lefties, which Packy Naughton is, evidently, according to John Denton, I saw this from other reporters, Ollie Marble said, hey, if you cover this inning for us, you, I promise you won't get sent back to Memphis tomorrow. Which is, I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to tell a guy. It's just bonkers, and I think speaks to the desperation that the Cardinals have right now. That the manager would mention that before a guy goes out to, to pitch his next inning. I don't really have a reaction. I I tweeted about it and said it was just bizarre and I still can't wrap my head around it. And that's true. But when I was saying it was bizarre, that wasn't me making a commentary like, I think it's wrong that Ali did this. I I wasn't really trying to to make some sort of grand proclamation. I was merely noting that to me, it's just I cannot wrap my head around it. Like it truly is a strange phenomenon. You just think about guys who are trying to make it in this league. And they know the drill that sometimes you go through those situations where it's just not fun, but you're the guy designated to give it all you've got. And then because you're suddenly unavailable for the next few days to pitch because you just spent everything you had saving the team's butt and saving the bullpen from overuse, then you get sent back to the minor leagues, which is no fun for anybody. And you basically have to sit down there and and rest until you'll be able to pitch and they can call you back up again. Number of days later. With an injury, they can do it at any point, but without an injury, they'd have to wait minimum 10 days or whatever it is. It might be 15 days now. But that's kind of what Packy Naughton you would think would have been facing until the manager says, "No, we'll, we'll keep you around if you can help us out here." Just a very bizarre dynamic that I think more than anything, again, no big smoking gun here, but it speaks to the desperation the Cardinals have right now with their pitching situation. Later in that game, Zach Thompson Jr. Fernandez both gave an inning of work for the Cardinals to finish things out on Tuesday. But man, I mean, they're losing every game right now. I mentioned four in a row. And the pitching has been a problem. When you look at the starting rotation, you've got five guys, Michaelis and Wainwright, you feel pretty good about, even though they've just been okay in their most recent outings, haven't been superb like they had been at previous points in the season, but they've been all right. And you expect them to be fine moving forward. But that's only 40% of your rotation. The other 60% consist of Hudson, who has not been pitching well. Of Palante, who you do feel, I, I still feel probably third most confident in Andre Palante, despite the really bad last outing that he just had to kind of go out there and wear it. Because he wasn't walking guys and they were like, man, we'd really like this guy to get through some more innings. He just couldn't do it. Had to eventually take him out of the game. But that's another option. And then your fifth is a question mark. Libertor, I I don't think that's viable anymore. Steven Matz may be called back into duty, but it's kind of like you're forcing it the way that they did with Flaherty because as of right now, Matz has only thrown three innings in a minor league rehab assignment. That's the maximum. He threw two in his first start and then three in the second start that he made on July 2nd. And that's been five, six days at this point. And so you could see the Cardinals decide to go to him at some point soon just out of uh, sheer need to do so there's nothing ideal about it I know eventually you're going to bring him back but you'd like to think they probably give him more time to ramp up given how long he's been out but they may they may not just have the luxury to do so Matthew Libertor listed as the Cardinals starter for Thursday and so maybe they're thinking Matt's not quite ready we're going to give Libertor one more shot to do it that can always change, but it seems as though he's been announced, and so that's going to remain the same. So we'll see what Libertor can do trying to hold off the sweep, the four-game sweep at the hands of the Braves. But the Cardinals right now are just four games above 500 they They're sinking fast, and starting pitching seems to be the main reason why. I know the offense is rough. I know we could spend more time talking about that. But to me, I just – there's no easy fix for that. The, the hitters just need to be better. With the pitching, I think you can recognize that with the injuries that have come about, in the prospects like Libertor that have not panned out, that they just do not appear ready at this point to be able to take on that workload. And then you've got to reach back and consider, well, what are we asking of polante How realistic is that to expect that he's going to be able to hold it down as a starter for the long haul? We talked about him glowingly five days ago, but you got to recognize what's happened since. I'm not re- really looking to remove polante from my rotation at all, but you just have to recognize let's manage expectations a little bit. All of that adds up to John Moselak has got to spring into action over the next four weeks. There's no other way about it if this team decides that it's a contender. If they want to play that middle ground once again, then that's their right to do so. But I'd be pissed off if I were Cardinals fans at that sort of inaction. John Moselak cannot sit on his hands at this one. There's a lot of people back in spring that said, you're going to have this happen again. You don't have the pitching depth that you think you do. And at the time, I said, I don't know. I could squint and see it. But the moment Jack Flaherty went down, and that was early in spring, I remember talking about it and saying, all right, just recognize you lost one and it happened right away. You're probably going to lose another one. They've been lucky that Wainwright's held up the way that he has. They've been lucky and fortunate that Miles Michaelis has pitched like an all-star for the majority of the season. He very well may be an all-star with another good start or so before the all-star game candidates are decided. They've been fortunate that Andre Pallante has been able to fill in the way he has, despite the last start not being a good one. All these things have gone above expectation, above what you reasonably could have anticipated would happen for these particular players. On the other side, though, Steven Matz, a guy you signed to a multi-year contract, has not panned out through the first few months of this first season with him in St. Louis. He's been injured. He's been ineffective. His ERA is over six. That was their answer. That was the... the you know, we have to evaluate the moves that they make. We can't just say, well, wasn't their fault. Guy got hurt. You got to anticipate that a guy that's got an injury history, I know he's been mostly healthy recent years, but he's never been an innings eater. And so if you were signing him to be your number four, your number five starter who could log 180 innings, you had another thing coming. It wasn't ever going to happen with Mats. But that was the only significant move they made because they thought, well, Alex Reyes, Jordan Hicks, these guys can transition to starters. At the time, we all said, okay, that's a great idea. If you guys think it can keep them healthy, we know they've got dynamic arms. It's not a bad idea if you can implement it. They tried. Reyes was a washout the beginning of spring. His career may be over in St. Louis with another setback due to the shoulder issues he's experiencing. Jordan Hicks. We'll see. It hasn't worked out so far. Again, I love Jordan Hicks. I hope he does well. We have to evaluate what's actually happened though. And we can't say that confidently Jordan Hicks is a guy you trust to go six or seven innings every fifth day in your rotation. And the Cardinals need guys who can do that. You look around, Jack Flaherty. That's the one that they knew at the beginning of spring. But that situation has gone really pretty far south at this point. Can't rely on what he's going to give you. It's a bonus at this point. Anything that Jack Flaherty can provide. So if you're mapping out the rotation for the rest of the year, do you think this Cardinals team is one that can be a competitor and can be a contender in October? If you think that, removed from the woes for the starting pitching, then it's time for action. If you don't think this roster is worth supplementing and saving, well, say that, but I don't think the reaction from the fans is going to be very favorable, nor should it be. But I think in reality, if you look at the, the lineup that they put together when healthy, and you look at the bullpen and the pieces that have really stepped up Ryan Helsley, Gio Gallegos, Cabrera, Junior Fernandez, Oviedo has have, have done a nice job recently. Zach Thompson, rookies that have come onto the scene. Palante, whether he's a starter or a reliever, has really been a help to this team on the whole this season, let, let alone what he did in his last start. That, I'm talking about the entire campaign. He's been good. He's been above expectation. But if you're John Jose, like, you cannot sit back like he often does and say, well, if we had our healthy team, if we didn't have Tyler O'Neill injured, if we didn't have Harrison Bader injured, if we didn't have, if we didn't have, if this didn't happen to us, you got to know that things are going to happen to us. And so you can't, and this was a comment we made a lot last year, we, we, we feel we haven't seen our fully healthy roster that we planned in spring training. That was something that was mentioned a lot last season, and that's why they always had confidence that it would turn around. It did happen to do so when they supplemented it at the deadline with John Lester and Jay Happ. For that rotation, it did happen to go on a run and make it to the playoffs, but that wasn't enough to get them over the Dodgers. I mean, they put themselves in a spot where they had to win a wild card game against a 100-win team. That's not going to work out more often than not, so it shouldn't be a surprise that they were a quick exit from the playoffs last year. If it's the same story this year, I don't think that is realistic or fair because you have to know that injuries are going to take place. And so you can't lean back on, well, we never got to see our full team in action, and so that's why it's not going the way we planned. Every team deals with injuries, and the Cardinals, although sometimes it might seem like they have it worse than others, there are teams out there that have it worse than the Cardinals do, but their depth is stronger. Cardinals have to find a way to get that depth, whether it's via trade, whether it's via creatively bringing up guys from the minors and having those guys hit and be immediately successful, whatever it is, it's on the front office to figure out a way to make it happen because right now this is a team that's teetering just four games above 500 and could very easily finish 82-80, and 80, miss the playoffs. You could see a route to that the way things are going right now. I think the roster is too good to allow that to happen. I know the Cardinals have never been a team that feels they should go all in on a given season by making moves out of desperation. And You don't want to deal from desperation, which is why a lot of people would argue, well, you should have done more. Before the desperation began in the offseason, you could have looked for other ways to acquire starting pitching. There are things you could have done. It didn't happen. We move on. Life goes on. Right now, though, you have to recognize, all right, do we think this is still a pretty good roster? All right, then what do we do to make it better? Because we've got about four weeks to decide. And it could be painful. But there are players out there to acquire via trade. You've got to deal talent to acquire talent. And right now I think the Cardinals have still a logjam in terms of the outfielders in the organization. And that may be a position of strength where you can deal from that strength and and get something that you like. Maybe Matthew Libertor is still attracted to other teams. And if you're worried that he's not the answer, maybe that's a guy that you include in a trade. I would like to see long-term him pan out in St. Louis. And I appreciate on some level that the Cardinals appear to be willing to let that ride a little longer too, considering that he's the listed starter for on Thursday in Atlanta. But these are the kinds of decisions they're going to have to work through and make. I'll be curious to see how they approach this deadline. Moselec has not traditionally been very aggressive at the July trade deadline. It's typically in the off season when you see those big deals come down. Arenado, Goldschmidt, those kinds of trades when they have more time to evaluate the market The pace is a little slower. There's not the pressure of got to do something to win now. That's when they tend to make their biggest splashes. During the season, they'll make more safe moves, I call them. You can trade away Lane Thomas to get John Lester because worst case scenario, Lane Thomas was your sixth or seventh outfielder on the death chart, and you didn't like what you were seeing from him, and so you didn't give up that much if Lester doesn't pan out for the stretch run. He happened to pan out. But those are the kinds of moves the Cardinals feel they can make at the deadline. This year, though, you may have to do something a little larger. I don't know if they have a stomach for it, but I think if you don't do it, you're just relying on some dumb luck of things turning around with internal options in terms of the depth just kind of sprouting out from nowhere. Right now, you don't see a path to it just happening organically by itself. So you may need to make more substantial moves. We'll have to wait and see. Right now, the Cardinals are still within striking distance, only three games back, as I mentioned. Will they still be that way at the All-Star break? Will they still be that way at the August 2nd trade deadline? Only time will tell. But let me know what you think about this Cardinals team right now. You can send me direct messages on Twitter at bshafer12. Please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts in order to be alerted when b Shafe daily drops. We took a little hiatus for the holiday break, but we're back and ready to roll. Hopefully, the Cardinals can get back and ready to roll, giving us some wins to talk about in a competitive pennant race to discuss the rest of this season. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. That is going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace!